Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trana here with you. It is Monday, August 3rd, 2020. We are now entering week number two of training camp, an unusual training camp in which the Giants group two players who reported on the 28th are now uh, finishing up their physicals and they'll soon be hitting the field for conditioning work. They're focusing on strength and conditioning work as part of the ramp up period that the league is in at the moment. So we're getting there, folks. We're inching closer and closer to real football. Um, currently, the media is, is still not allowed to watch anything, but there's nothing really to watch. So we'll just keep, do the best we can to keep you updated on all things Giants as we go along and launch into our daily schedule. We're back to five days a week, so we will do the best we can to bring you continued coverage of your New York Giants. And we're going to start things off on this show um, with some some roster news. Uh, on Sunday, which was actually a day off for the Giants, they made some uh, roster transactions to get down to the 80-man limit that is required of all teams by the um, the 16th of August. So let me just go through the roster moves, and then I just want to talk about that decision for a little bit. The Giants waived running back John Hilleman, linebacker Chris P, safety Rashawn Golden, and cornerback Shaquille Taylor, uh, Taylor being the guy that they claimed off waivers on Tuesday from Denver. They also got rid of, um, or I should say waived, four rookie or first-year players, quarterback Case Cookus, fullback George Aston, linebackers Oluwali Betuki Jr., and Dana Levine of Temple. Cookus and Batiku Jr. were actually two players who had partially guaranteed contracts. So that means that if they don't end up on the practice squad, they're um, contracts, part of their contracts is going to show up on the Giants dead money list. We're not talking a lot of dead money, mind you, but you know, now is not the time to want to keep piling up the dead money because that can ultimately hamstring you when you want to do stuff. Um, receiver Damari Scott has decided to opt out of 2020. It is not known if he did so as a high risk medical type of player like Nate Solder was or is, I should say, or if Scott just chose to uh, take the regular voluntary opt-out, which the difference is in payment. So if he chose, if he qualified for the regular voluntary opt-out, he would receive $150,000, sort of like a, an advance, if you will, against his salary that he was due to earn. And um, he would have to pay that back next year if he is on the roster. So, again, it doesn't. I don't know if he's if he's a med- high medical risk or whatnot. But Damari Scott, who I don't think was even going to really make the roster this year anyway, given the competition at receiver, um, he is opting out, and his contract will toll. The other, uh, some other additions to, to talk about. 
running back Jaron Williams, 5'10", 187 pounds, was signed uh, to the roster. He played one year at the University of Albany. Um, and uh, he um, takes the place, I guess, of John Hilleman. And also over the weekend, this move was, was actually announced on Saturday, but uh, the Giants confirmed that they were a, awarded receiver Tony Brown off waivers from the Cleveland Browns. Um, so that move is now official. Now here's the, the big takeaway from t- uh, the roster news that came out on Sunday. Leonard Williams is on the non-football injury list. He has a hamstring strain. And I know when I tweeted that out, I had a lot of people come at, at me and, and say, what is going on? What does this mean? You know, is this a bad sign? So on and so forth. And let me just try to answer some of those questions now. Number one, yes, Leonard Williams does count against the now 80-man roster that the Giants have. Um, actually, it's 81-man because they have uh, an exemption for Sandro Platzgummer, the running back that they that they were awarded from the NFL's International Pathway Program. So when we talk about 80 Ross, 80 man roster, it's actually 81 right now. But, um, regarding Williams, the injury, uh, was, could have been, you know, and I'm just speculating at this point here, could have been just something that resulted when he came in, maybe from his workouts and, you know, something they're just being overly cautious with. Now, just bear in mind the Giants, I don't believe practice actually set foot on a practice field until, August, I think it's August 12th is when they can do some initial walkthrough stuff. And then August 16th, I think, is when they can really ramp things up. So there's a little bit of time for for Williams to kind of get over the hamstring thing. Now, obviously, with hamstrings, you got to be careful with those because they are tricky. If you rush back from them too quickly, you can aggravate them and uh, cost yourself more time than you probably would like. But my... All indications that I've been getting is that Williams's hamstring is a mild strain and it's not something they're really worried about at this juncture. So uh, we'll see how he comes along. And I don't know what the media schedule is going to be this week if we're going to get head coach Joe Judge again. I, I don't think we are. I do think we're going to get some other guys on a conference call. But if Joe Judge does come on the call, obviously that will be a question that that will be asked of him, I'm sure. All right, folks, we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Judge's decision to do an about-face regarding how he was structuring the roster. So stay with us. Hey, Giant fans. I want to tell you about DoorDash a food delivery service that I find myself using a lot of these days when I'm so busy that I barely have time to do anything other than write. Well, when it's mealtime and my husband and I get hungry, all we do is we fire up our DoorDash app, and from there, we can order whatever it is we are craving from the safety and security of our home. And best of all, DoorDash's professional delivery drivers make sure that whatever we order, it gets to us quickly as possible so that we can enjoy a fresh, hot meal just as if we were dining in at the restaurant. With DoorDash's app, everything is done electronically, and I can specify contactless delivery of my order. I can also track the order in real time so that we can get the table set for any number of meals from our local favorite restaurants. 
So take it from me. If you're a busy person who doesn't have time to stop to whip up a meal, DoorDash is for you. And right now, as a listener to Locked on Giants podcast, you can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code Locked On at checkout. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code Locked On. That's one word, L O C. K-E-D-O-N. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trina here with you. And we're kind of recapping the week that was and getting you ready for week two of training camp, which uh, basically, again, is just going to be conditioning, um, some weight training and stuff, just to kind of get all the players back on the same page as to where they need to be before they ramp it up and get involved with football activities. So let's um, cover, I, I mentioned at the end of the last segment, I was going to talk a little bit about head coach Joe Judge's decision to do an about face. Now, initially, Judge was planning to carry a 90-man roster, which um, would have necessitated splitting the two splitting the roster into two groups. And my understanding on how that would have worked is you would have had group one would have been the players who reported initially, which were the rookies, first-year players, and select veterans, mainly those guys coming off injuries. And group two would have been everybody else who reported on July 28th. And I believe the cap was some, the cap was like, I want to say 40 guys, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was 40 or 45. Uh, they split it in half. So you could have more than 40 or 45 guys at any given time in a workout group. So what does that mean for the Giants? Why did they do an about face? Well, there could be a couple reasons here. And one reason could be that, you know, the guys that they, they let go or they just decided that, you know, there's just not going to be enough snaps for those guys. But here's my theory that I think makes the most sense. The split squad would have necessitated keeping the rookies separate from the veterans for the most part. Now you have a situation on the offensive line, for example, where with Nate Solder having opted out, you're going to want uh, guys like Andrew Thomas and Shane Lemieux and Matt Hurt, you're going to want them in those offensive line meetings, you know, because that's the way that unit is going to build camaraderie. That's the way they're going to build up the communication so that, you know, when game day does eventually come around, that unit is operating on all cylinders. And it really never made sense to me when, when, you know, Judge initially said that he was going to do the the uh, ninety man uh, group, which would have necessitated the split squad to to do that because it would have meant separating the rookies. And you know, also you look at the defense where you have a mixture of rookies and and uh, first year players. You know, Xavier McKinney, for example, in that defensive secondary, um, some of those young linebackers, uh, Chris Williamson and Darnay Holmes in the defensive secondary. What benefit was there really to separating them? There, there really wasn't 
as I could see. And, you know, and again, I, I understand that, you know, right now the NFL is in a period where they're just doing strength and conditioning, but they are going to be allowed to do some walkthrough stuff. So I would have thought that, it, you know, initially, again, when I heard that he was going to do the 90 man approach or the split squad, I would have thought it would have made more sense to just, you know, have everybody on the field, you know, and, and work out and start to build the camaraderie. Don't separate the rookies and the first year players from the veterans, especially when you're going to potentially have some starters and guys in key personnel packages mixed in. So that's my guess as to why Joe Judge did an about face. And, um, you know, it's kind of interesting because he was asked about roster building and the challenges because basically in the new COVID era, if you will, uh, hopefully it's a temporary one, but um, the way my understanding is that it may work in the regular season is similar to how it works now, meaning that, you know, if you sign a guy from another roster, you basically have to have him go through a five-day testing period where he's got to produce um, two negative COVID tests before he can actually set foot inside the quote-unquote sterile environment that the teams have set up. So basically what that means now is if that carries over to the regular season, you are going to have guys who, let's say you sign them on a Tuesday, you will not have that guy available necessarily until the following week. So that could potentially leave a team shorthanded. So my, my initial thought when Judge said he was going to go with the 90 man was, okay, let's make sure that we know when we evaluate everybody we have before we set guys loose just to kind of, you know, in case we need to call anybody and, and, uh, you know, call anybody up or put anybody on the reserve list because of a COVID case or or a, an injury or something like that. So I was a little surprised that he switched gears on that because it, it is that challenge. And, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see. Again, the NFL still hasn't gotten to that point with the regular season and how it's going to work, but it is assumed that it's going to work the same way as it does now with training camp and the five-day acclimation period, for lack of better terms. So we'll see how that plays into, you know, if that was the right decision for the Giants. And I'm sure, obviously, we'll hear from Judge again. I don't know, again, if it will be this week, but I'm, I, I would imagine that question will probably come up if we do indeed hear from him again. So, all right, folks, you are listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Train, and we're going to take our final break. And when we come back, some closing thoughts on the week that was and the week that's coming up. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, segment three. The other big news over the weekend is that Nick Gates, offensive lineman, was given a two-year contract extension, which means that Gates is now under contract this year and two additional years. And the beauty of his whole transaction is that this year he will play on the final year of his uh, rookie deal, his initial three-year rookie deal he signed as an undrafted free agent. And I think that deal pays him something like $645,000. Now, I haven't seen the terms of his contract, so I don't know how it breaks down as as of this recording. But if he got 
a signing bonus, which I'm sure he did, that will obviously boost up his his salary should he end up being a starter in the lineup this year. And Gates is certainly going to be uh, competing for a starting spot, I would think. Um, he's been mentioned as as a potential at, at uh, center, which I still don't think that's where he's going to play this year. If he plays this year, I think he has a better shot of playing at right tackle than he does at center. I just, I just don't like him for center. Too tall, um, you know, pad level is, is an issue. And as I've said numerous times, when you have a second-year quarterback standing behind you, ideally you want a guy who has experience, who has done the position, played the position in live game action. And Spencer Pulley right now is the only player who has done that. So this is not the year I would experiment with putting, you know, an inexperienced guy. Even though Nick Gates practiced it last year, the position, I would not go that route this year. I would, you know, obviously they're going to get him ready. They're going to get Shane Lemieux ready. Um, and they might even add another center for all we know. You know, I, that would not surprise me either. But um, that's, uh, you know, just I think Nick Gates is going to be, if anything, he'll be in the mix for right tackle along with Cam Fleming and Matt Pert. And um, if you had to take a guess right now as to who would play where, um my guess is probably it'll come down to Gates or Pert. I, I could see Gates winning that right tackle spot, to be honest with you. Fleming was initially signed to be a swing man. So if, God forbid, something happens to Andrew Thomas, who's projected to play left tackle, now you've got a guy in Fleming who can play left or right. So I think you just kind of leave him for that role. And Matt Pert, you know, he, he's a... He's got great length. He's got a great skill set, but he's still a little on the raw side. So I don't know necessarily that I would roll the dice and go with him right now. Now, I thought about where Nick Gates might play down the line. And this is probably going to be sound far-fetched, but I could see a scenario. I mean, I've always said that Nick Gates' best position is at guard. And right now, of course, the Giants have Kevin Zeitler, who is by far their most consistent offensive lineman, and Will Hernandez, who's not going anywhere. So I would not be stunned if maybe after this year or, you know, I I would say maybe after this year, depending on how he plays, maybe the Giants look to move on from Kevin Zeitler. You know, I know that would be a tough pill to swallow, especially if he, you know, delivers the type of football he did last year. But you know, if you have a guy who can play the position as well and who, who has a lower salary cap hit, especially when the salary cap is going to fall next year because of the COVID pandemic and its effect on the league, I just think it makes more sense to, to just, you know, swap out the talent. It's nothing personal against Zeitler. I think the world of the guy, I think he's, like I said, he's by far their most consistent offensive lineman. But I just don't know if economics are going to allow for them to keep him unless he takes a significant pay cut, which, you know, if you're him, why would you? So that's how I kind of see it playing out for next year. I also, you know, I, I think it's probably safe to say that Nate Solder has played his last down for the Giants. 
Um, as I've said all along, him deciding to opt out, I totally get it. I support it. Um, it, he did what he had to do, but I think he was going to be a salary cap cut next year, regardless of what had happened. Um, it just made two cents because, you know, they drafted, as you know, Andrew Thomas to eventually be their long-term left tackle. So I just didn't see them potentially keeping Nate Solder beyond this year. Just rolling back uh, to center for a second. I have heard that they are still keeping tabs on John Halapio, who is rehabbing from a torn uh, Achilles that he suffered at the end of last year, the the regular last regular season game of the year, I think in the fourth quarter, no less. So they are keeping tabs on him. And it sounds like, you know, if he's coming along, he could be back in the next, you know, probably later on this month, if, if, if all's going well. The final thing I want to talk about, final guy I want to talk about is Marcus Golden. And Marcus Golden, uh, as you guys know, he has uh, begun the five-day acclimation period. He finally reported to camp, I believe, on Friday, I think is when he came in. So he's just finishing up his um, his his COVID testing, and he should be on the field this week, assuming he doesn't produce any negative t- uh, positive tests. So Golden will be back, and you know it's it's kind of interesting because the Giants now by adding Golden, they now have three weak side linebackers, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they deploy these guys. I mean, their three weak side linebackers include O'Shane Zimenez, Kyler Fackrell, and Golden. Lorenzo Carter is is their strong side linebacker, and I I just that's. A lot of, you know, edge rushers for one spot. So I'm very, very interested to see how the Giants deploy these guys. Now, I know there, there are some of you who remember Ernie Acorsi who used to say you could never have too many pass rushers, but you have to put these guys into positions to succeed. And I'm just not sure that, you know, you can necessarily say, oh, we're going to play Marcus Golden on the strong side where, you know, and thus make him an automatic starter, which would kind of make sense as to why the Giants used that UFA tender and didn't go and overspend on him despite, you know, wanting him back in his production. So I'm very curious to see how that plays out. But uh, right now the Giants have a bit of a logjam there, and I haven't even factored in Carter Coughlin and where he might fit in. I believe he's going to fit in at, at the strong side. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. All right, Giant fans, that'll do it for today's show. Thanks, as always, for listening. Make sure you tune in all this week. We will have shows to, uh, the rest of the week, Tuesday through Friday. I'll see if I have um, audio that I can get on the show for you. Um, I'll see about if I can get a guess at some point. So we're back in the swing of things. Football is coming back. I'm excited. I hope you are as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.